Hi. Well done. Got here through the storms. This wet wet and windy out there, eh? So uh, when you sing, I praise you in the middle of a storm. We are. Um, So this morning I'm going to uh, uh, start helping us process the prophecy uh, that Graham Cook uh, brought to basically Europe actually in the end of July last year, which we played in all three Sunday meetings last week. Um, so hopefully you heard it. If you didn't, then uh, I'm not going to go through it all. You'll be glad to hear in one sense. But uh, the, you can actually get it by going onto a Dream Revolution app. So on the uh, phone or uh, iPad, uh, get the Dream Revolution app. And we'd suggest you get it, uh, even if you have listened to it, because... Um, Within that, there's a, there's a PDF where you can actually download the whole transcript of it, and also actually that you can get the whole prophecy again. But it's been um, divided down into three-minute sections, so ten lots of three-minute sections, which just to help you process it in bite-sized chunks, because there's a lot, lot there to, to, uh, to deal with. Um, and I think it's really important to understand why we're doing this in this sort of degree of depth. Um, there's two principles that, that the church works on, as far as I'm concerned, and I live my life by, that, that, that the presence of God and the voice of God. Um, God. God's with me, he's with us, and that changes everything. Uh, and he speaks, and that changes stuff as well. And when God speaks, not only do we need to listen, we need to actually then work out what to do with it. And that's what's called weighing prophecy. Um, and when we're weighing prophecy, we're not working out whether it's right or wrong, you know, sort of good, bad. Mm. It's actually how much weight do you put upon this? How much weight is, th- is this going to carry into our future and, and helping us uh, um, with our, our church structures programs and, and our thinking? And um, a lot of us have actually been processing this for the last six months, actually, this, this prophecy. And um, we've done it with a whole a lot of leaders, the directors and others in Eastgate. And we believe that God is speaking through this. Um, but it's of such a weight that we want everybody to, to, to get hold of it. Um, so we're asking you to do it. Because prophecy is not just weighed by a few. It's weighed by, by the, the whole. Um, not just so that we, we, we've heard it, but so that we're all processing it. We're all thinking about it together. And this is good for your individual life. But it's not just that. It's actually This is really important for our corporate life as Eastgate. So we're, we're asking you to take this seriously. Um, It'd be silly, wouldn't it, to think if God's saying something very, very important that we don't stop and listen and, and, and take note of it. That would be silly. That would be daft as Christians. Um, it's also silly to think that, that God's amongst us and he doesn't want to speak. So it's not, it's not a new idea. Um, and one of the things that uh, I just wanted to do as I, I start on this, this was actually want to help us process this in the framework of actually some really important prophecies that have, that have been guiding Eastgate over the last probably about 15 years. Um, and over the course of, of, of the history of this church, uh, 30-odd years now, um, one of the most important things, principles we have is, is if God says it, we do it. And then we work out how afterwards. Um, and that, that's really important because we, we, don't, we don't weigh prophecy in, in the light of our own current understanding or in the light of our own resources. God says, oh, we, haven't got, we can't do that. Now, that, that was a mistake that the um, 10 of the 12 spies who went into the promised land, that they, they, God said, there's a promised land for you, and they go, ooh, really good, hmm, can't do it. Wrong. 
But that, 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 the way they processed that stopped a whole generation actually entering into that promise. Prophecies are not inevitabilities. You need, they're opportunities. And if you have to, and this is a massive opportunity that God is placing in front of us, we need to take it seriously. But if we, if we deal with it with unbelief, we will miss it. Unbelief is, is a serious uh, problem that we, we always have to confront within Christianity and not give in to it. Um, so, in 2004, Julian Adams, a um, great friend of ours, uh, prophesied over us that uh, we would have a Joseph anointing as a church. Um, just to let you know, actually, Jesus, Julian's going to be back um, for a conference later this year in, in July, um, which would be great. Um, uh, but when it said a Joseph anointing, the idea was that, that we were going to be uh, a storehouse that would feed nations. And that, that, that was the whole thing, that actually that God wanted to, to enable this church, which at that stage was called something different, now called Eastgate, um, was actually going to be able to, to build a resource base that would actually uh, attract and feed people from other nations. Now, this is happening. So uh, yesterday there was the, the start of the Kingdom Preaching Academy. How many, how many people were at that? Ooh, great times had. Um, about 135 people here. Uh, and I just I was in briefly doing a first session, but I'm really excited to see people from around the UK, churches that I've worked with in Sheffield, in Milton Keynes, Southampton, all coming here because there's a hunger to f- to feed on the resources that we have here. And it, just for me, that was an outworking of that. We also have our, our worship school. Uh, we have obviously our, our supernatural or spirit, school of spiritual life. We've got our conferences and. I would say that this is already becoming true for us, that, 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 that people are coming to find resources here. And then the po- whole point is that we, we fill their bags up when they go home and, and use the resources that, that they've, they've been given. And it's up to us to do that uh, well, wisely, and unconditionally. Because God's good to us. It says, freely you have received, freely give. So we need that, that sort of attitude. Um, in the same year, just after that, that Joseph anointing, uh, we had the prophecy that God was going to place us at the east gate to the city. So we had an idea of sort of what we're going to do it, and then God told us where we were going to do it, which was completely different to where we thought we were going to do it. Because <laughs> um, we lived in the rural context, we were quite happy being the village, village people, and then God said, you're going to now be the city people. So, <laughs> so, so we could do the songs if you like, but I won't, I won't, do, that, won't, won't do that for you. But, and on the basis of that word, we actually changed everything in our church in terms of the geography, emphasis, where we were, because up to that point, we were, God had told us to be the village people. Very clearly. Uh, and then he said, right, now you're going to be at the east gate of the city, which was a shock. Um, but we did it, and then here we are. And what is interesting, because we, we, we were processing that prophetic word, and it's just interesting to know how you process it, because we were trying to work it out. We knew we were going to go for this plot of land, this, this opportunity here, in amongst housing development. But at this stage, this was just part of the of the, the Thames Gateway, and we thought that it was God placing us at the East Gate to London. That was our thing. We thought, okay, well, there's Ebbsfleet Station there. You can make that out. It's all even... At that stage, there was no city to be at the East Gate to, but God knew. It was only three months after we moved in here and we got this building that this whole site was designated a city, Ebbsfleet Garden City. So we walked into something that didn't exist, and then God created it. 
That, that, this, what, this is the power of walking in. God, God's words are creative. You know, that's how he, he formed the world. He creates things that are not. So you think, well, it doesn't make sense. No, it, it makes sense to him. Unless you, and if you, don't, if you process it spiritually, it makes sense. If you process it humanly, it doesn't. You can say, well, that's a stupid idea. No, God's ideas are never stupid. It's just we can't always see it. But the way you get there is by trusting him. Because he knows better than we do. He's got a better view of the future than I have. <clears throat> then, in 2009, we had the same prophecy given to us nine times. <laughs> By separate people, completely unconnected. Four times here, four times when, when Kim and I were out in, in Bethel for three months, and then once immediately on our return. Nine times. And the, and the, and the word was this, that we were to be forerunners. Now, that, that also has helped us in, in, in our, our journey because what it means is that actually we've had to push on and be pioneers, running ahead of a pack, not because we want to be separated, but because God actually wants us to, to help make a way, if you like cutting a way through the jungle path so that other people can get there quicker than we did. Um, and <laughs> one time, I think we thought that might last for about five, seven, seven years, you know, because... I'll do. No, it hasn't finished. We're still forerunning, okay? Because in June last year, Steve Backland came through and he prophesied it again without any reference to it. So that's 10 times we've had the same prophecy. That's a lot. When, when, when God repeats prof- prophecies, it's because you're really going to need to know them, right? Gonna, <laughs> you're really going <laughs> to... They're, they're to encourage you. And then the other one that, that we've talked about a lot is that Beachheads for freedom. So freedom is a cultural reality that we, we are creating here. But not just here. We're helping other people create environments of freedom, which is the way that we were designed to live as Christians. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. And we're no longer slaves. We are children of the living God. So, so all these things are important. So when you come around to, to looking at this prophecy and weighing it up, you'll notice that some of it is actually familiar to us already. Now, that shouldn't be a surprise if we're forerunners. That, that doesn't make us proud. It's just actually, oh, oh some, because when I was listening to this prophecy in July last year, I think, yep, 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 yep. Now, there's also stuff in there which we need to push into because what I don't want us to become is the experts who know it all because we don't. And there's stuff in here that we need to adjust ourselves to and learn from. But there, there's a lot of stuff there that we'd actually say, oh, actually, we've already got that. Now, I think that helps us help other people get it quick, more quickly. Again, not because we're proud, but it's just this is, this is the way it is. So I think yesterday was an example of that. You know, the, the, the you know, what builders preaching in the power of the Spirit. There's obviously an appetite for that, 135 people, lots of people. And I, friends, I thought, wow, I'm surprised. Traveling that, that far for the day, to, that, there's a hunger. So, and some of the people say, that's because we heard you talk about this before. We've decided we need to come and, and get what you've got. So, in that context, we're going to start to have a look at it. And if you get um, the Dream Revolution app, on the transcript of that, Graham Cook helpfully summarizes 12 key points at the beginning of the prophecy. And I'm just going to dive into a couple of those. Um, And before I do that, I just want to ask you a question, which you might think, well, that doesn't seem related, but you'll see it does get related later on, okay? So, but... um, Think about the parable of the prodigal son, or as I prefer to call it, the parable of the good dad. Okay? Now, pretty much, if you're not familiar with that, then read it when you get home. Uh, it's in the Bible. You'll find it. 
Um, and you know, you've got the story of the younger son who goes away, older son that stays at home. How many of you ever, reading that story, got quite a degree of sympathy for the older brother? You think, yeah, darn right, not fair. Yeah, you think, yeah, I worked hard, stayed around, been faithful. That young, what's it, goes off, does it all. Look what happens when he comes back, you get a party. Sheesh, not fair. Okay, I'll be honest with you, because I, I, I have, I thought, yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold hold on to that thought, park it inside of your brain for, while, while we go into this. So, the first thing that Graham Cook uh, highlights is, is this, he says that, uh, I'll read it out as he's put it down, you're going to be walking with a territorial spirit who knows how to fight and who will train you to inherit. Now, I think in the past, certainly I have, that I've thought of territorial spirits as, as, as the baddies. They're the demons. You know, they're the, they're the, you've got the Prince of Persia, you've got this. So when, when he's using language, you've got a territorial spirit. I'm thinking, ooh, that's interesting language. Um, uh, um, but it's quite straightforward. So how many of you have the Holy Spirit inside you? Good. If you're not, come up afterwards, get born again, and you will have, will have. So the Holy Spirit is taking territory. That's what he does. He's getting stuff back, which is his. You were once dead in your sin. Now you are alive in Christ. What did he do? He got some territory back. You are his territory. That's cool, isn't it? <laughs> he landed in you. So you have a spirit inside of you. And basically, your life is meant to be his territory. Not devil's territory. Your mind is God's territory. There's a battle on for it. And there's a battle on for most parts of our lives in one sense. But actually, what you have inside you, inside you, if once you were born again, it says you're born again of the Spirit. The Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit inside you. And he is interacting with your Spirit all the time. That's a, that's a constant, eternal reality that's not going to go away. So, and it leads on to this next thing, um, which we'll come on to in a moment. But it, it tells you this, that the Holy Spirit is going to, he knows how to fight and he will train you to inherit. He'll also train you how to fight. He says it, this is the second thing. He says he's going to give you, so the Holy Spirit's going to give you, the building blocks of habitational lifestyle. Now, this is one of the things I really want to try and get underneath the skin of, um, that the Holy Spirit lives inside you, does he not? You, you, keep going with me. The nodding helps. It's, 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 um, therefore, is it somewhat crazy when we ask him to come and visit? Daft, isn't it? it, 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 it and uh, he comes and he, he, he's come to live, and he can't let, can't get rid of him. Jesus said, "I will never leave you or forsake you." And he said, talking about the Holy Spirit who is inside you. He lives inside you. Therefore, the idea that you have to ask him to come and visit is actually a denial of what already is true. <clears throat> now, there's a lot of stuff where we we find in Christianity that almost we're pleading for God to come and do stuff. And he's going on, uh, what are you talking about? 
So, an example today, um, when we finish this morning, I'm going home. Kim, Kim's going to see her mum, and she'll be back home later. Kim's not coming home to visit later. Coming home, she's coming to visit me. That'd be nice. We'll have a nice time. No, no we live together. That's how it is. She's visiting her mum. That's not home. It used to be, but... It's a silly idea. It's a denial. But I said, oh, how long are you staying for? <laughs> when, she, when she comes in, very kind of you to visit. Very, really not. Oh, I'm so, I, hope, I hope you come tomorrow. That would be really nice if you... Yes. This is the sort of mentality that is ridiculous. And how ridiculous it is towards an attitude towards God that we ask him to come and visit. It's a denial of, of, of his reality inside us. And we need to get rid of it. In the prophecy, referring to it, Graham Cook says this, There is a pressing need for my church, my people, to get closure on a visitation culture. I'll read that again. There is a pressing need for my church, my people, to get closure on a visitation culture. That's a strong idea. Now, in the light of this, it's worth examining, and we're doing this, songs we sing. So, now, it is true that I want more of God. Why? Because he's actually the eternal, infinite being who lives inside me, so there's always more of him to discover. There always will be, and that will be throughout eternity. So, so I want more of God, but that doesn't come from a place of absence of God. I want more because I'm so confident in who he is, I know there's more to, more to discover. I'm not saying that from a place of lack, I'm saying that from a place of adventure and discovery. Enjoying what I've already got and discovered, you know, that's, if you like, that's stuff in the bank of my relationship with God that I can pull on any time, but there's more stuff for me to discover. So, so when I'm crying out for more, I'm crying out for, for more revelation, more, more discovery, more wisdom, all those sorts of things of an actual current reality. The Bible tells us very clearly in Ephesians chapter 1 that I have already received all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. Just I've not unwrapped them all yet. It's like having a whole pile of Christmas presents under the tree. And you, you, you know, I'm wrapping them one by one. <sighs> What's the next one? They're, they're, this is a whole discovery. And we need to put to <coughs> a closure this idea that God is not with us. Is he with you now? Yes. Yep, because you're in Eastgate, you've been worshipping him for three quarters of an hour, and somehow he's managed to sc- <laughs> scrape in. No, no, he, he's with you all the time. He came with you, actually. No. He's not limited to you, right? That, that's, it's all a bit of a mystery, I understand it, because he's bigger than us. But often when I, I go to other churches, <coughs> um, uh, when I start to preach, I just, just get up and say, uh, God is here. And uh, people go, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wait. I normally wait a little while. I pause, and, and, and they're, they're waiting expecting me to come out with some first bits of the sermon and I, and I just wait and I, and I look at their faces and they're I say let's just, just say that again shall we God is here and they go yep he comes every Sunday <laughs> and he's really regular I'm not quite sure where he sits but he definitely sits somewhere and uh, he's here yeah good he's here of course he is 
No, I was thinking, ah! <laughs> what expectation do you place to the idea that God is here? Is God here right now? Okay, what expectation have you got? Are you ready to be surprised? Are you ready to be pushed right out of any boundaries you've already got in your thinking? Are you ready for miracles to break out any moment just by touching him? Are you ready for him to say a word that completely changes everything? Or do we want to say, oh yeah, we'll keep coming along and we know. And he turns out every son is very faithful, God. Really faithful. Well, just as that would be silly, it's just as ridiculous to think that tomorrow morning... God is here, where are you going to be? I don't know where you're going to be, but wherever you are, he is. And we need to line our expectation up with that. We are not weak, powerless people. In this prophecy also, (laughs) Grant Cook says that basically God's fed up with the idea of powerless Christianity. You have the almighty God inside you. Let's, let's start to look at that as a powerful idea. We have the almighty God inside us. Woo. So just think, just look across this room right now. Think, wow, we've all got almighty God inside us. Man, when we come next, back next week, we should have some stories to tell, eh? Woo. Goodness me, what, what can we do on planet Earth this week? Poor. With that power at work inside us. It's ridiculous to think that you can walk into a place and not be powerful. It's ridiculous to, to think that you can walk into a place and it remains dark. Because you are the light of the world. <laughs> we are meant to be thermostats not thermometers you need me to explain that that basically Christianity is all too good sometimes at taking the temperature of a place and going oh whoa 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 oh wow yeah oh man the world's getting a really rough place oh goodness me don't know what's going to happen we've got all this all this sort of ethical stuff we don't know and it's terrible don't know what we're going to do I know what I'm going to do I'm going to let my light shine I'm going to be powerful. I'm not going to be a victim. How much powerful Christianity can we express this week? If you believe God is with you, you don't plead for him to come. And you don't plead for his activity. You just plug into it. Also within this prophecy, um, Graham Cook says, there is a disconnect between my purpose and your expression. Ooh, that's quite a a little slap in the face, isn't it? Boom. (laughs) There is a disconnect between my purpose and your expression. So what do we need to do? Somebody said it over there. Connect. Connect. That's the art. Yeah. So if there's a disconnection, you need to connect. Okay. So a little illustration of this. Probably most of us have got one of these things. How many of you within the last 24 hours have charged your mobile phone or other sort of portable device? Yeah? Did you make a connection to a power source? Did it occur to you that that wouldn't work? Not really. If, if it doesn't work, there's something wrong, yeah? 
somehow, and I've had, have you ever had this, it took me a while once, um, when I got a new phone and it had a different thing, and after a few months I thought it's not charging, because this thing was all filled up with lint out of my pocket, all fluff. And I thought this thing's not charging. Well there was a disconnection because something had got in the way of the connection. I took it along to the Apple shop and I felt very silly. They said, yes, we can sort that out, sir. So oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. They said, do you keep it in your pocket? I said, where, yeah, where else am I supposed to keep it? It's a mobile phone. They said, oh, yeah. Can't punish. Dangerous keeping a mobile phone in a pocket. Not dangerous, but... What's There's a reason why you might dis- be disconnected. You need to find out what the reason is, even if you feel silly. The devil is out to try and disconnect you from your power source. He is. He's got all sorts of schemes. There's a, there's a bit of this prophecy where I love it. It says, um, I am is calling you up and out from your fear and your weakness, from your unbelief and your poverty spirit. Woo! There's four things right there. Fear, weakness, unbelief, poverty spirit. Those are disconnectors. You can't, you can't get rid of the power source, he is inside you, but actually, in fact, the re- reality of connection so that that power flows in you and through you is up for, it's a battle. And you need to understand. Now, I would suggest that very few of us are living in the fullness of the power that is inside us. So every one of us has to look at those places where we are disconnected from the fullness of the power source that is actually in us. And this is what this is challenging us to do. And I would suggest number one is we need to be extremely confident in the habitation of God inside us. I don't plead with God. I converse with him. I talk with him. I put my requests in front of him. It says, I, I approach his throne boldly and with confidence. It, again, in this prophecy, it talks about getting rid of a, a sin-minded, uh, centered Christianity. I'm not a sinner. You're not a sinner. If you're born again, you are not a sinner. You are capable of sin. You will be tempted to sin because the devil wants to get you off track. And sometimes you might make the choice to sin. It is a choice, but it's not an inevitability because Jesus has set you free from all your sin. That carries with it a great responsibility. Yeah. But my identity is as a son of the living God. Your identity is a son or daughter of the living God. And it said, the, the Bible says that the creation is waiting for the, the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. You know, it's, it's, it's groaning. The, the, world, you know, the world might be groaning. There's all sorts of stuff going on in the world. Well, what is it waiting for? Well, it's waiting for the Christians to take the temperature and go, ooh. <laughs> getting tougher. Or you say, actually, we're resetting this. I'm going to be the thermostat in whatever environment I'm in. I'm going to be the joy, the peace. I'm going to be the miracle worker. And then breaking out of that, I want to start to talk about something. Because I think we, we use a lot, and I'm using it, a lot of I language. We, we need to start using we language. And because it goes on to say, the pressing need for my, my church, my people. Okay, And the Bible basically looks at us as communities. And... 
the prophecy goes on to say, you will have a fullness, you will have a fullness unprecedented in the earth, greater than the early church, and you will create apostolic cities, landmark communities, you will push back the darkness and bring a greater light than has ever been seen before. Now, that's something to aspire to, is it not? Would you want to be part of that? Absolutely. And the Bible talks again, it says in Ephesians, it talks about us being fellow citizens. And I want us to talk about being fellow citizens and also um, families. Now, I know there are people who live singly. um, But if you're part of a church, you're not a single person. You're part of the bride of Christ. Um, But broadly speaking... When we talk about habitation, if we just process that as individual, we will be missing out on some stuff. We need to process this together as we rather than me. Because God's been speaking to me about this really strongly over the last few weeks, that individualism, an individualistic mentality is a massive stronghold in our culture. And so this isn't just true for, for you that you are the habitation of God personally. If you don't connect that to being the habitation of God communally, then it won't have its proper expression. God, God did not come to inhabit an individual here, an individual there, an individual. It says that the, all the parts of the body are joined together. He came to inhabit us. <laughs> He is with you personally. You are, he's with you personally. That's very, very relevant. But if we don't process that in a bigger corporate context, I think we will be missing something. I think this is one of the disconnectors that we have going on in our society. And I think you can see the whole thing about self-designation, self-identification, all these sorts of stuff that's going on. There's a lot that I am who I say I am. Uh, well, I think God's got a view on that. <coughs> We need each other. And I honestly, this is just a thought in the last 24 hours or so, is, is I wonder if we preach too much of an individual gospel and that doesn't help people get added to the church. A thought. The message of Christianity is you get to become part of God's glorious family and a fellow citizen with God in a place where he chooses to dwell. And that is a plural concept in Ephesians chapter 2. The church is God's dwelling place. I am God's dwelling place, but on, on my own, I'm incomplete. Okay? Go back to the older brother. I want to suggest to you that the older brother mentality of the prodigal son is a stronghold. A, a bad one. <laughs> because in that parable Jesus told he basically the older brother doesn't rejoice in the goodness and grace of his father towards his younger brother and he says basically in his relationship with the father he says I've been slaving for you all these years I've worked for you and I never got a thing you never gave me even a goat not even a goat the attitude stinks and I'm not coming into the party because He doesn't deserve it, and I've worked for it. That is a slave mentality. It's an entitlement mentality. It's not based on the grace of God, and it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would say it's it's there. It's a temptation for every one of us when we've been serving God for a while to think that actually that makes us 
more entitled to the power and wisdom of God than somebody who's just been born again. So as an example, say you've prayed for somebody for healing for months, not seen any major breakthrough, somebody gets born again, and the next day they pray for, pray for that same person and they get healed. You've got a choice at that moment whether you rejoice in that healing or you take offence because it didn't happen when you prayed. Hey, I even fasted. You should see how hard I prayed, how hard I fasted. I worked really, worked really hard at getting that healing. Do you know what? Working really hard doesn't produce healing. <laughs> it's possible for us to be disconnected in some way from the power source on that and I think that's what we have to discover and it's, it's possible for somebody to come straight in and believe that they can connect to that power source and boom the power flows and when you've been at it for a while you could be offended or you get over it and you choose to rejoice the ability to choose to rejoice in everything that God is doing amongst us is one of the keys for health moving forward It was quite funny, last, last week in, in day school I was just talking to people and, um, and there, there was one, one lady and she said, oh well I don't seem to be getting it, I'm not really, I don't see any miracles and um, don't see any miracles happening. I said, um, I said actually last, last year you came on a team with me to Paul, I seem to remember, how many miracles did we see? She said, oh yeah we saw a lot. We saw, oh, we saw tens and tens. Of, I said, how many, how many miracle stories have you heard while you've been in school this last year and a half? She said, hundreds. How many miracles have you seen? Let's readjust that thought. How many miracles have you seen? Hundreds. Wow. She, she'd, lost, she'd lost herself in her me rather than the we. And in losing herself in the me, she'd lost the power connection. Isn't it glorious to be part of a we rather than just a me? You're not on your own. How many miracles can we expect to come back with next week between us? Yeah, you see, just, just start to think about of which you are part. You have to pass it as a part. Otherwise, oh, no, I mean, don't work for me. Yeah, don't work for me. No, and they're getting excited. I'm blown if I'm getting excited because it didn't happen for me. That's an older brother right there. I didn't feel it when they worshipped. (laughs) Worship is a corporate experience, not an individual one. You can have your individual time with God. There's something about corporate worship that is more powerful than pretty much anything else. Why? Because it's about habitation. God inhabits the praises of his people. You want to know where God is most likely found in habitation? It's during worship. And he'll, he'll come and inhabit you and him. Probably the angels join in. But there's something powerful about us worshipping together. That's why I get to everyone I can get to. I wanna I don't get to I don't go to worship times because I need to be at worship times, I'm one of the leaders here, I have to go. Yeah, t- well, yeah. Whew, twice on a Sunday, three times for me today. I'm preaching this again this evening. Whew, three lots I love it. Why? Because I love God. 
I love being in his presence. And every, every time of worship is a unique opportunity to encounter the living God. As is every sermon. Woo! Okay, I better finish there. I want you to stand with me because I'd like to, to break any stronghold of, of big brotherism. I reckon it can attach itself to any one of us, the big brother. The older brother mentality. Wow! I want you to make a choice now to rejoice with any testimony you're going to hear this week. When we come back next week, I want you to ask me, hey, what's been happening with you? With expectation. Let's think by this time next week. Wow! We're going to have so many miracles. Father, we refuse the older brother mentality. Offense will be offered to us. We refuse to take it. We rejoice in your grace and your goodness to all. And Father, thank you we don't have to work to be in your good books. Thank you we don't work to gain our inheritance because Jesus already paid the price for it. Father, thank you that you live with us, in us, and through us. Wow! And we are going to refuse any concept of visitation culture. We throw that off. We say, thank you that we are the home of the living God. And you are right home here with us. Not just individually, but corporately. That you are part of Eastgate's fabric. And we love having you as part of us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would release the fire of heaven now. And the power of God would be released in everyone in this place right now. I pray. It would be like a nuclear reaction just going off right now. Just reach out, touch, touch the people. Just... Father, I pray for a chain reaction right, to happen right now of your power at work through us. Father, I release miracles in this place right now. Wow! Signs and wonders. Not just for here and now, but throughout this week. I pray that we would be miracle workers this week. We step up and we say, we believe we are sons and daughters of the living God. And we line our expectation up with your presence in us and through us. We are powerful people. We are powerful people and we pray, release your power through us right now. In Jesus' name.